That is Mary Had a Little Lamb without any sort of <laughs> directional melody. <laughs> Oh, hello there. Welcome, <laughs> listeners, to Movies on the Side, a podcast where we review films, sometimes bad films, sometimes good films, and uh, somehow, listeners, because you listen and download our episodes, we are- okay, Wait, what word did you just say? Download? I was trying to move past it, Nate. I was trying <laughs> to get past it. Because, <laughs> listeners, you are faithful downloaders of Movies on the Side podcast, we have, uh, we're in the top 100. Actually, this week, we're number 54 ranked in the film review podcast category in apple Podcasts. so thank you listeners thank you so much i'm nate baranowski by the way yes and i'm steven robles and if you haven't given us a five-star rating there yet we do appreciate if you could leave a comment give us five stars tell us why you love the show and then you can uh, represent mots with some merch by going to motsfam.com that's all i have to say nate that's one or you can support us on patreon and listen to the episode we just uh, recorded about steven's coffee addiction yes nate berated me for 20 minutes on drinking too much coffee and then we watched a couple videos together that were pretty fun that's pretty good check it out patreon.com slash movies on the side steven i wanted to share uh real quick before we get started in this movie yes i had the privilege of meeting a mots fam Oh, this weekend, this last weekend, I want to give a shout out to Carrie, who I met up in Michigan, Ooh. who is a friend of Jill's aunt, actually, and uh, listens to the podcast. Uh, and it was great to meet someone who listens to the podcast and just kind of knows us. That's awesome. Very cool. It was very cool. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Carrie. We know people listen because we see the download numbers, but we, we rarely hear from people. I don't know what it is, Nate. I don't know if they're shy. We never run into them in the meat space. Well, not the, definitely not the meat space, but sometimes even hard in the online space to, uh, to uh, see these people. So we would love to hear from you, like for real. We'd love to know uh, your comments and thoughts. Come out, come out, wherever you are. Is that a song from a musical? I believe that's Wizard of Oz. Oh. We still need to have your dad uh, on the show to talk about a movie. We do. I think people would like his voice. Yes, we do. He has a much better voice than I. Did your dad still listen? Does he listen to the podcast? He does. Hey, Mr. Baranowski. Him and my mom. Mom? I think they, uh, while they, while they drive. And my mom. Very nice. Joyce Baranowski, also a listener. Thank you, Baranowskis. There's probably a lot of Baranowskis that listen around the world. We are the number one movie review podcast for Baranowskis. <laughs> nice. Okay, well, today we're talking about the 2004 classic Disney movie starring Nicolas Cage, National Treasure. Steven, I need you to do something for me. Oh? I did a little bit of research for you before this podcast. Yes, thank you. But I'm going to need you mm -hmm. to do a favor for me. Oh, boy. I would love for you to give a running start an attempt at a Nicolas Cage impression. The last time this document was here, it was when it was being signed. No, that was terrible. Hey, not bad. Not it was, bad. That wasn't bad? Because he kind of like, he just basically whispers the whole time. Right. It wasn't good, but it wasn't bad. <laughs> it was sort of like my Jerry Seinfeld impression. Just All right, let me try, let me try one more. Let me try one more. We're going to steal the Declaration of Independence. I don't know if that was good either. I don't think I got it. 
It's so hard. I wish I had a Nicolas Cage impression inside of me. I do not. 180 years of searching and I'm three feet away. Of all the words written here about freedom, there's a line that's at the heart of all the others. I mean, I can impersonate his little finger guns that he does before Gone in 60 Seconds when they're about to steal the cars. I can do that motion. <laughs> right. That's tough to show in the podcast. Rotten Tomatoes, National Treasure, not high on the critic score, 46, 46%. <laughs> but on that audience satisfaction, it's <laughs> 76%. Right. Now, this is another Disney movie. Another Disney movie. This is two in a row. Prince of Persia, Disney movie, 2008. And now National Treasure, Disney movie, 2004. And this launched what? A trilogy? Just a sequel. Just a sequel. Okay. Nicolas Cage has spoken recently, or at least as recently as 2016, about how he would be up for a third movie. Mm. But it was kind of bogged down in script. Oh, so I, I think there has been some behind-the-scenes development of National Treasure 3, uh, Tome of Greatness. <laughs> oh, the... The second movie was The Book of Secrets, scoring even lower on the tomato meter, 36%. But we're not talking about that movie today. No, we're not. We're talking about this national treasure. Again, this rose-colored glasses era, this falls flat in that era. Yep. This was the year I graduated high school and started college. Loomed big in my mind as a fun, like one of those movies that you just like, yeah. Right. I like that movie. That's one I would watch again. Right. And I would say even upon rewatching it in the sporadic eclipse that I had to do it for this reviewing, <laughs> I still enjoyed it. I enjoyed seeing this movie again. How about you, Nate? How do you remember this movie and how did it feel rewatching it? I remembered it very, very fondly. I just watched it last week. Some of the shine has come off. Sure, sure. But it's still a lot of fun and I can't tell if it's a good movie or not. We oftentimes look at a movie in our rose-colored glasses and can honestly say, here is our subjective opinion about it. But I'm also trying to look at National Treasure objectively and decide, is this a good movie if I hadn't seen it in my sophomore year of high school, probably in the movie theaters? Right. So I have a slight theory. On the face of it, this is a treasure hunt movie. And we have done similar treasure hunt movies like Sahara, mm -hmm. which you have previously yeah. proclaimed that you really enjoy with Matthew McConaughey. We've also, this is also somewhat of a heist movie. Yes. Because Nicolas Cage steals the Declaration of Independence, has to steal other objects. Ocean's Eleven right. style. Now, you think of the star of that movie or stars, you got Brad Pitt, you have Matt Damon. George Clooney. Right. Here's my thing. I like Nicolas Cage as an actor most times. I don't know if he was charismatic enough for the feel of this movie, especially being a Disney treasure hunt styled movie. You think of Sahara, Matthew McConaughey is very charismatic. Right. And he's fun and funny. You think of George Clooney, Brad Pitt. Those guys are witty and fun to watch. I think in National Treasure, I think the preposterous story is fun enough. Yep. With all the hidden clues and such. I think Nicolas Cage, whose flatness plays well in other movies, like Gone mm -hmm. in 60 Seconds, mm -hmm. I don't think plays great in this one, per se. I believe he loves history and has a bunch of knowledge of all this stuff. But like some history teachers, no offense, can be a little dry. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Not Indiana Jones, though. He is a, he's an archaeology professor. 
Mm, that's true. That's true. No, I think about it. There's a difference between an action movie and a treasure hunt movie. They can be the same, and one can be the other and vice versa. But I think the star required for those kinds of movies are different. Here's the scene I'm thinking of. In National Treasure, when they're at Independence Hall and they're looking at the shadow of the steeple or whatever, Nicolas Cage has to run across some rooftops <laughs> as he's being chased. And my, my note at that point was Nicolas Cage is not Tom Cruise. That run is something. <laughs> that run was, was not, not great. So Nicolas Cage in the action movie side of a heist slash treasure hunt movie, not strong, I think, in my opinion. Now, Nicolas Cage breaking in to steal the Declaration of Independence, I believe that a little more. He wears the tux- tuxedo under the janitor's outfit. He's sneaking around. I could see that part. Yeah, that makes sense. You know what I'm saying? But I think he's just a little too stretched. I think they should have downplayed any action hero part of Nicolas Cage in this movie. Mm -hmm. I would have rather have leaned into more of a book smart clue finding person and less of a you can hit someone with a Declaration of Independence tube and do anything kind of athletic. You know what would have been fun? and And we don't have to go on a tangent here. Again, this was 2004. This was 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. If Helen of Troy, actress Diane Kruger in this movie, <laughs> if she could have played more of the action side once she entered the story, oh, and Nicolas Cage kept to the low-key book smart side, I think it might have made for a better movie and uh, not been so, not one-sided, but you know, she contributed a little bit, but I think it would have been really cool if she was like doing the action stuff. Right. They are kind of the same. They have the same skill sets, right? Right. Right. They're kind of the same person when it comes to like, if you're choosing your Oregon Trail group, you wouldn't choose both of them (laughs) because they would, you know, they'd both be susceptible to dysentery and they both be able to shoot a buffalo. You don't need two historical document experts. You know, one will do. Right, exactly. And for a historical document expert who really cared about the Declaration of Independence not getting hurt, she definitely at some point in time rolls it out. Like at the beginning, it's all like touching it with gloves and being very careful. And then halfway through the movie, they unroll the Declaration of Independence just in the middle of a (laughs) bookstore (laughs) with their bare bare hands. hands. Yes, yes. So anyway, this movie, it begins with this ice scene in the winter, you know, and they're looking for Charlotte, which ends up being a ship. But I'm not sure if it was the winter. It might have just been the Arctic Circle. I'm so sorry. I, I was I was using winter as a environmental descri- oh, you know, okay. descriptive. Oh, okay. I'm word, sorry. Not so much the season. But uh, no, no. I, I didn't need you're to right. quibble. No. Yeah, you're right. It, no, no, it, no, it's fine. They were in the North uh, Arctic Circle or whatever. So it would have been winter no matter what time of year <laughs> they actually were there. I forgot this whole opening montage. I remember Sean Bean being the bad guy. There's the heated moment where he's holding the flare and all this kind of stuff. I believe Nicolas Cage in those moments. I think those were kind sure. of fun. He cuts his finger and rubs blood on a priceless artifact to right. to roll the little code out. As an adult, as a kid, that didn't I didn't care about that, but as an adult I thought you just found a priceless artifact. Right, let me bleed on it. Right. <laughs> it seems a little weird. How did you feel about actor Justin Bartha playing the Riley character throughout mm. the movie? Okay, this is great. Riley was, I loved Riley when I first saw this movie. Yes. Riley hasn't aged as well. No. For me. 
I would, if we go uh, Sahara versus National Treasure, when it comes to preposterous clue hunting, right? I would have Steve Zahn. I would choose that guy, his right. sidekick, over this one. I agree. Yep. He still has some good lines. He's a lot. He has a dry sense of humor. And so does Nicolas Cage. We have a lot of homogenous. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of dry characters. Riley, I did not really chuckle at anything he said, though. You know, I enjoyed his little daylight savings time poll. I, I know something about history that you don't know. I'd be very excited to learn about it, Riley. Oh, hold on one second. Let me just, I'm just taking this moment. This is, this is cool. And you know what? I actually misspoke. That winter slash Arctic scene was not the first one. The first one was Nicolas Cage's character as a kid. His character being Benjamin Gates. Oh, right. With his grandpa, Christopher Plummer. Right. He's in the attic and his grandfather comes. And I just want to point out, it was so funny. He was like, it was a night just like this where Charles Carroll, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, it was very dramatic and I thought it was a funny yes. opening. Yes. And then John Voight comes up and totally crashes the party and he's like, stop talking about that nonsense. <laughs> so. The exact same flashback style as Sahara. <laughs> oh, and we yes. Cut, we cut back to olden days. Back to Riley and Nicholas. Riley does say, I think, one line that I chuckle at in this whole movie. Yes. He says, and I can't remember it exactly, but at the end when they're down, uh, where Sean Bean leaves them down there in the little crypt. Yes. And he was like, so, uh, yeah, we, we led them on a fake trail so they can come back and kill us later or something like that. Or we can die down here. Right. That was a fun line. Yes, that was funny. So they are on this quest. Again, there's lots of clues, lots of fun words. One of the things I asked you to research because I was driving at the moment, mm -hmm. I feel like they put enough real things in this movie to allow you to fall down a slight rabbit hole. Sure. Like that Charles Carroll, right. they say, was a signer of, of the Declaration of Independence. He, he was. He existed and he was a signer. Right. Apparently not a Freemason. Nope. According to your research. Silence do good letters? Yes, the silence do good letters. So they were an actual thing as well? I did. I actually read a few of them. It was basically just Ben Franklin writing uh, under a pseudonym as a middle-aged widow. <laughs> uh, his brother ran the paper, I believe, and so he would drop these letters off underneath the door at night every couple weeks, or I don't know how often. But it became very popular. There were some guys that sent in letters saying they'd want to marry her since <laughs> she was a widow. <laughs> That's hilarious. And then Ben Franklin's brother found out that it was him because I think he was like, he was young. This was when he was maybe like 18 or something like that. Oh, I see. Okay. Really young when he was. Not these. Declaration of Independence era. No, no, no. This is, but in this movie, they use the Silence Do Good Letters as like a code. It doesn't mean that it was written as a code. They just use it as like right. page four, any book you could do that with. Page four, letter five. But yeah, his brother found out about it and apparently got really ticked at Ben Franklin. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things I love about seeing movies from this era is the technology. And there are several scenes that just would never have happened today. Like when they're examining how to steal the Declaration of Independence and Riley has like that camcorder with a green laser coming out of it. Yeah. It's, like it's hilarious. Like you couldn't go in there with that kind of camera now. It'd be super no. suspicious. Oh, yeah. Or the internet search that uh, Sean Bean's guys are doing to find out what Stowe stands for, and it's like the 2004 Yahoo homepage. Right. It's just, 
Stowe plus Bell minus Franklin, all in quotes. <laughs> the one scene where they like are paying that kid to find out which letters are in the, mm-hmm. the do-good letters, and then the guy's coming out and telling Riley. I think that's a fun scene. I think the suspense of these types of scenes are excellent. Yes. I love the reveal of the different clues. I agree to your point about the suspense scenes, but I don't want to go amiss. I want to ask about Romance Corner. Mm-hmm. The romance is not a huge part of the movie, but it is. It is a thread. Because it's 2004. How do you feel about Nicolas Cage and Diane Kruger in a romantic attraction? I don't. I used to believe it. I don't believe it at all (laughs) anymore. (laughs) It is as if a man fell in love with a reflection of himself in the mirror. Oh, my. That is the kind of, they are delighted by the fact that they love the same things. Mm. They both love this treasure hunt, which it is accurate that their romance is not great because I believe the sequel starts with them separated. This is not a long-lasting relationship. Right. And they know it because three years later in the Book of Secrets, they are not together. But no, I did not believe them. Steven, your thoughts? Yeah, it was hard to get into that part of it, especially. You know, you see the setup from the very beginning. How may I help you? Well, your accent, Pennsylvania Dutch? Saxony German. Oh. (laughs) Please don't touch that. Sorry, a neat collection. George Washington's campaign buttons. You're missing the uh, 1789 inaugural, though. I found one once. That's very fortunate for you. I don't know. I don't know who I didn't believe more or less. <laughs> like, maybe I believe Nicolas Cage growing an attraction for the yes. common interest. And less of Diane Kruger actually falling for Nick Cage. Right, I agree. And they had that, that line at the in the final scenes in that long shaft and Nicolas Cage drops her but catches the Declaration of Independence and he was like, I'm sorry, I had to save it. She was like, I would have done the same thing to you. And they lovingly look at each other. It's like, eh, I don't know about that. It really hurts, the movie in general, it really hurts that she doesn't offer anything that Nicolas Cage doesn't already know. Like the fact that she is around is just because she wants to be a part of the adventure and not because she is helpful at all. Right. She really just joins it because she doesn't want to let the Declaration of Independence out of her sight. Right. Couldn't she have like one scene? Couldn't she have one scene where <laughs> she knows a clue and Nicolas Cage doesn't? Can't we have that? Right. Just that one time where it's like, hey, we're glad you're around. She does say when they're looking at the back of the Declaration of Independence that if there is a map on here, they're going to put a symbol in the upper right hand corner. And he's like, that's right. So it doesn't feel like it's knowledge he doesn't have. but Right. It's just he was about to squeeze lemon juice all over that whole thing. Which, in my research, I learned that lemon juice is its own form of invisible ink. Mm. So that by applying lemon juice, you are basically whiting out whatever invisible ink is there. Better to just use the heat and not the lemon juice. Interesting. The other thing that I learned in my research is that when he gave her the pin that had the UV ink on it she would never have touched that pin with her bare hands just like she told nicholas cage not to touch her collection as a collector of something old she would never handle that with her skin and get her skin oils all up on this very valuable pin Mm. it's a little bit of a plot hole in this (laughs) 
<laughs> just, just <laughs> very historically accurate movie. Yeah, one of the few plot holes. They roped John Voight <laughs> into the movie, into the plot. Him being Nicolas Cage's dad character. Love him. Love him. Re- yes, I like him in this movie a lot. Uh, his reaction to realizing that they're handling the actual Declaration of Independence, I believe that. I told you, you need heat. Um, I believe a lot of his moments. It's very good. Let's talk about the stealing of the Declaration of Independence. Oh, yes. I have, I have some thoughts. Do you think that stealing it in order to keep Sean Bean from stealing it is the best way to handle this situation? Well, they try to show that he Nicolas Cage attempted to notify all these authorities and no one would listen to him. Mm-hmm. I mean, the biggest problem is I don't think it would be that easy for Nicolas Cage to get in and steal it. Like, I don't believe he could have done what he did in reality. Sure. So <laughs> right. be, that being said, I don't believe that Sean Bean would have been able to do it either, no matter how many armed guards he would have had. I mean, Sean Bean just went through, like, the ventilation shafts, right? He didn't do anything fancy, did he? No, no, but just the fact that they all got so close to that decontamination room or something and and no one was the wiser. Like, I understand there's a party going on upstairs, but surely the security doesn't get that lax uh, just because there's some people upstairs. Right, if you're going to be super confident about your most important artifact of your country being unstealable, it seemed impossible. Well, they said, oh, it's, it's impossible to steal. To have two separate parties both get in on the same night right exactly yeah goes to show that like nah no this is far <laughs> this is far too easy i don't understand why they didn't take his he is a well-known apparently like conspiracy freemason dude right nicholas cages or benjamin gates yes why don't they take his even if he it is basically him saying like i'm going to steal it why don't they take the threat seriously I feel like you should take the threats of like the most kind of the people that you consider the most like conspiracy. The people that you have to worry about breaking into Area 51 (laughs) are the people who have a a house full of alien articles. Like those are the people you have to worry about breaking into Area 51. I would slightly disagree. I would say the person you really have to worry about is like the ex-Navy SEAL who has 20 years of service and has performed a thousand secret missions. Oh, yeah. That they they have a better chance of infiltrating it because they have some interest. Did he give them Sean Bean's name? No, they never did. They should have just said, like, this is the guy who's going to steal it. That's true. They should have also said, well, if he's going to steal it, it's going to be during this gala night. That's true. And if I know Sean Bean, he's going to probably head through the ventilation. He has a military group. Like, bulk up security. Yeah, and I would think that's a rare threat. You know what I mean? I understand, like, a bomb threat populated place or building. Sure. You probably get a lot of those. <laughs> but to, to say, like, someone's going to steal a declaration, like, there's probably not a ton of thieves after that. Per se, you know what I mean, right? Well, like I don't think I don't think that would be a common threat. It's true. It's not like they're yeah. I should, they shouldn't be getting thousands of them every day. Nate, you should try and prank call no the White House. No, no. From a burner phone. From a burner phone. Oh, okay. Say, well, say you know what? <laughs> if any prank involves a burner phone, then it's fine. To see, exactly. They can't. They can't. What I've learned from this movie is the government can't track anybody. No, my my Alexa would yeah. be listening to the call. Bezos would out me. Well, you need to say your name is Benjamin Franklin Baranowski. No, don't use your real name. (laughs) 
Your name? My name is Stephen Robles. Your name is Jacob Franklin Benjamin. <laughs> and you are going to steal the Declaration of Independence. And let's see, maybe, maybe you just get a click. Maybe they just hang up on you. You never know. Or maybe they say, who is this really? This is <laughs> not funny, and we are coming for you. They say, we know National Treasure is on Netflix right now. Don't get any ideas. <laughs> There's nothing on the back. Right. But have they checked? Right. One more thing. The Declaration of Independence. Yes. As soon as they see something on the back of the Declaration of Independence, you need to immediately take a photo of that and send that to the authorities to be like, see, this is real. This is what's happening. I would have turned myself in at that exact moment and been like, well, here's the thing. Yeah. Oh, hold on a second. I got lost in my own rabbit hole for a second. <laughs> back to the plot holes of this movie. Mm -hmm. John Voigt lets Nicolas Cage and the crew borrow his car. They know the FBI is going to go to his house and find out what was going on. Mm -hmm. Why did they keep the car for so long? Can't track a car in 2004. Technology's not there. <laughs> I find that hard to believe, Nate. Now, I do too. <laughs> when you say, take a picture of the back of Declaration of Independence, my thought was, the best phone available, available to you at the time would be the Motorola Razor, mm -hmm. and that picture would be so blurry... You could be taking a picture of the back of your thumb and no one would know. It doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be a phone. It could be they used to have cameras back in the day. Wait a minute. That you couldn't make calls on, but they did take pictures mm, in two thousand four. Yeah. It's maybe go back to the archives. I'll have to think back to my high school days. Just a Polaroid. Send it to the local Walgreens and be like, Hey, look, here's pictures from the back of Declaration of Independence and we don't really have good mm -hmm. Photoshop yet, so you know this is right. real. Right. <laughs> right. Okay, so hilarity ensues. We have a bunch of chase scenes through the market. I do like that one scene when uh, Helen of Troy, she's hiding from the, the bad guys and she ducks behind the meat counter mm -hmm. and she, she lies and says, that's, you know, that's yeah, my ex-husband or whatever. Yeah, that's a funny little scene. That's very good. I'm just trying to hide from my ex-husband. <sighs> Who, Baldy? Yes. Honey, stay as long as you like. They go, they'll find those glasses in the brick, and somehow Benjamin right. Franklin put those out there. Just 3D. One day, he wasn't around for the... I would Congress. like to see Benjamin Franklin climb up to the roof of that building and <laughs> put those glasses in a I'm brick. I'm just going to stick this right here. John. Does anyone have any mortar? Hancock, give me a lift. Anyway. Give me a boost. I really need a boost. <laughs> so hilarity ensues. The bad guys, such and such, they get to... Uh, here at the wall, here with two E's, mm -hmm. some preposterous history about uh, Deheer Street and all this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Wall Street and Broadway. Yep. Wall Street and Broadway. They go, I'm under Trinity Church. All right. Pause. Underground in New York. Mm. You used to live in New York. I did. I am pretty sure this is not the old, ye olden days. There are subways down there, as they talk about sometime while it was rattling. <laughs> right. You're telling me this chamber was never discovered while they built... <laughs> an underground infrastructure under the city like sonar did or something i don't know <laughs> subway does run all the way down there i mean it's it's all over so yeah or it's kind of hard to or believe the trinity church is getting repairs hey um george uh we went to go firm up the foundation beneath the west end um mm -hmm. there's a bit of a problem where you're supposed to have foundation you actually have kind <laughs> of a never-ending pit that leads down to a treasure chamber did you know that was there or do you you just want me to okay all right that's the offering money we don't talk about that 
That that goes to yeah, that goes that's a Freemason who does it there. Mm. Can we talk about Freemasons for a second? I'm all oh, the coffee's man. kicking in, Steven. Let's talk oh, about Freemasons. <laughs> okay. What you know about Freemasons? Because I did some research before this. They brought the treasure back to Europe and took the name the Knights Templar. Over the next century, they smuggled it out of Europe, and they formed a new brotherhood called the Freemasons in honor of the builders of the Great Temple. I've seen a few minutes of a few documentaries here and there, and they just seem like a bunch of crazy people, but but go ahead. If you're a Freemason, you have to tell me, right? Oh, is that a thing? Or does that have to go in the Patreon if you're... Oh, second, I'm going to do the secret handshake with you. Here we go. Okay, ready? Jimmy, Jimmy, Cocoa Puff, pass it to me now. <laughs> Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Mm? And two, mm, mm. Bam. I'm not a Freemason. Yeah, neither am I. But mm, that could be a code. Can you be in a <laughs> can, can you be a Knights Templar but not a Freemason? Or vice versa? No, I don't know much about the Knights Templar. Yeah, they seem cooler. My research has been uh, really constrained to the Wikipedia site for Freemasons. <laughs> okay. I know there's a couple of Freemason places around Central Florida. I see the compass with the G and everything. Right. Right. Yeah, they meet a, They meet on Tuesdays from 7 to 10. It's on, it's on their billboard outside, <laughs> which seems not great. You can barely ask to like to get in, to become a member. They don't like oh, interesting. go out and find people, hmm. only men. There are some like <laughs> sure more progressive Masonic uh, lodges, but uh, I think for the most part, it's just like dudes, and you can't talk about religion or politics inside, and you have a bunch of codes and symbolism and secret handshakes and you're required to do charity you got coins and rings right exactly all of it's very interesting and it makes me think i wish i was in a secret club because i would just Mm. love to have a secret handshake with someone right i mean right now all i do is whisper hell hydra to someone that i meet but like that doesn't do anything (laughs) if we come up with a secret moss handshake would that suffice if we could come up with a secret Mott's handshake that if you listen to movies on the side, right. when you come up to us, you do the secret handshake. Right. I would love for us to try and come up with it and then describe it in audio only <laughs> how to do this secret handshake. That would be ideal. Now, is Freemasonry connected to the Shriners in any way? I don't think so. Okay. Because the Shriners have the cool hats, right? Right. They got those red hats. That is correct. And then there's also the Knights of Columbus, which is like the Catholic version. Oh, I see. Okay. Well. Basically, you're doing a lot of good. I think it's very charity-based. By good, do you mean like sitting around playing D&D? Well, yes. Exactly. I guess (laughs) when when anything's super secret, there's always the assumption in my mind that like, if you can't know what goes on inside of here, I assume that it's like dogfighting. I shouldn't, but I do. Like, if you're not able to talk about it, it's probably dogfighting. It's either dogfighting or something extremely non-threatening and silly. You know what I mean? Oh. Okay, hold on a second. If you walked into, if you walked into a Freemason's lodge, if you walked into the Blue Lodge Uh at your local... The Moose Lodge. Lodge. The Mm -hmm. Moose Lodge. Mm -hmm. If you walked in and you were able to give the correct secret handshake because you learned it from an old, old grandfather of yours, right? and you were able to get inside, and you walked in, and the scene in front of you, what would be the goofiest, silliest thing you could picture walking into this ornate lodge? That there's a small group of old men doing the Macarena in one corner. (laughs) In the other corner, you have four guys playing Yahtzee. The two, the leaders are playing chess because that's the gentleman's game. Of course. And then uh, there's there's a snack bar 
There's it with some refreshments. Mm-hmm. It's basically just bread and cheese squares yes. over on this side. You got some Kool-Aid in the middle. Mm-hmm. And then you might have some uh, like unwrapped Tootsie Rolls in a bowl uh, to take at your leisure. I feel like that's that's what you would see. Perfect. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Final thing. Just, just to feed your conspiracy theories for just a second. Yes, please. The $100 bill that, he, that Benjamin oh, Gates yeah, yeah. looks at in this says that it has 222 which apparently historically is 410 actually mm. switch the switch the hands oh but interesting in 2009 they redesigned the hundred dollar bill oh conspiracy and it's now a different time i think it's like 10 30 now really they changed the the time on the hands of the clock well surely that had to be intentional i mean right not well choose a random right time. someone <laughs> right well I don't know. I don't know what any of these times mean. Nate, are we going to become treasure hunters? I think. Are we going to go after this thing? I think you and I are beginning a treasure hunt. Well, I just want to say, at towards the end of the movie, there's a scene where they find the, the room that's empty, and they think, well, the treasure must have moved again. And there's this interchange where Nicolas Cage is super sad about it. But his dad, John Voigt, like, says some encouraging words. And it's like, you found the room. Like, you've legitimized all this craziness our family has gone through for decades. And I found that to be a heartwarming scene. Right. I, I almost teared up a little bit. Because at the end of the day, what does the treasure actually mean if you could just mm. validate any one part of this conspiracy thing, you, are, you have a book deal. Right. In fact, you have a movie deal <laughs> called National yeah. Treasure. Uh-huh. It might even be a sequel in a trilogy. Mm-hmm. This room is real, Ben. And that means the treasure is real. We're in the company of some of the most brilliant minds in history because you found what they left behind for us to find and understood the meaning of it. You did it, Ben, for all of us. And I do want to say, when they put the little ship as a lock, Mm -hmm. the the cigar pipe ship, and they turn it, walking into that room, and when Nicolas Cage lights the gunpowder that reveals the huge room of treasure, Mm -hmm. I got to say, that's a really satisfying feeling. Yes. And yes. it is it is a nice payoff for sure. Yes. That's very good. When you like you had mentioned uh, in a previous episode when Sean Bean is getting arrested with his guys and Nicolas Cage like <laughs> emerges from the shadow across the street to stare at him. That's pretty funny. Agreed. I also found the fact that the FBI director has a Freemason ring really convenient. <sighs> like and he and Nicolas Cage sitting on the steps at the end I was like, "Uh-huh. Okay." Sure. Right. What happens right after this movie? And I don't remember what the sequel's about. No one does. So <laughs> you can't even. Honestly, I honestly don't remember either. I'm not even sure that the sequel's in circulation. But I mean, like, <laughs> it has to end with this whole like conspiracy thing just being blown up. And there's like, I don't mean physically blown up. I mean like secrets out. The whole thing would just be like Freemasons treasure. Like that's that would now be what Ben Franklin's known for. Oh, sorry, post yeah. office and fire department. Like you're now the dude that <laughs> put the these glasses inside of this brick wall and made a treasure hunt for no reason whatsoever. It's not a bad thing to be remembered for. No, I think I mean like, I think it's all great. I just think the the history of the world. I mean, the history of the U.S. drastically changes. Yeah, I think the I think the worst part would be that Freemasonry actually gets an uptick in uh, membership. I think that would be the only. Oh yeah, you know. Apparently, out of the fifty five who signed the Declaration of Independence, only nine were Freemasons. But George Washington was definitely one of them. Interesting. So he was playing Twister in a lodge somewhere. <laughs> 
Twister. That's a poor. I should have. I should have added that. That's a good one. <laughs> Twister. All right. Well, Nate, I want to rate this movie. Okay. I want to rate this movie on a scale of zero to five. Ottendorf ciphers is an actual thing I looked up. Ottendorf. Ottendorf cipher. Literally okay. a thing. I love it. And they talk about that's that was the cipher on the back of the Declaration of Independence. Okay. Uh, the the number thing. But anyway, I'm going to rate it first because I know you were struggling to debate whether this is a good movie or not. Yes. I feel like this movie is still fun enough to watch. Relationships don't hold up. Feels cheesy. I'm not as crazy about Riley as I was probably upon first viewing. But I still like it. It's on Netflix right now. So if you have Netflix, you can just like go and watch it. And I think if you've never seen it for whatever reason, like go see it. Like I think it's still kind of fun. And for that reason, I'm going to rate it three and a half. Ottendorf ciphers. Mm. That's my rating. What do you think, Nate? Yeah, that's pretty accurate. I'm actually going to go with three Ottendorf ciphers. Okay. Okay. It is so. National Treasure came out in 2004. Sahara came out in 2005. If I'm going to watch a preposterous treasure hunt slash action movie, I will watch Sahara instead. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think all in all, that's better. But the clues, the, the, the chain of clues in National Treasure is top notch. Yep. That, that form of me following through a movie on this scavenger hunt with them is the best. Yes. Take this type of movie and just make a new one every five years. Not National Treasure movies, but just following clues. Yeah conspiracy-esque one in greece in israel one in china i love the following like the arc that's kind of the indiana jones thing too is like right. you're figuring it out as you go through you're avoiding booby traps yes. you're using artifacts yes yes and yes national treasure yes if you haven't seen it go watch it i like as far as guilty pleasures i would take sahara over national treasure any day nicholas cage is not quite the right guy for the role now that I watch mm-hmm. it again. Yeah. But he is perfectly serviceable. <laughs> Sean Bean has amazing blonde coiffed hair in this movie. <laughs> yes. And is a great villain. He says a line at some point in time, which I thought was really dumb, but he <laughs> says, oh, stupid. And the guy says, who? Me. Yeah. That- and that was the line. <laughs> That was pretty bad. That's pretty bad. So, yes, National Treasure, three ciphers. Very good. Well, listeners, tell us what you think. We would love to hear. Comment on our Instagram, at Movies on the Side. We'd love to hear from you there. Or Twitter, at Movies on the Side. Or even the Facebook page, at Movies on the Side there as well. And again, if you haven't rated us yet, five stars in Apple Podcasts would be greatly appreciated. And don't forget to pick up some Mott's merch. We have stickers, shirts, hats, bags, and sweatshirts. You know, it's fall season. Pumpkin Spice Latte. Thanks for listening. And next time, we'll do our top five Nicolas Cage movies. (laughs) Ta-ta. Thank you.